Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, and welcome to Maths Appeal. I'm Bobby Seagull. And I'm Susan Okereke. And this is the podcast for you if you're interested in learning more about maths, if you're totally terrified of the subject, or if you're anywhere in between. The Maths Appeal mission is to make maths accessible to everyone. It's something we both feel strongly about as teachers of the subject, and our aim is to show you that not only is maths fun, but it's also everywhere. Every week, Susan and I chat about a particular aspect of maths, sharing our main observations and experiences as both students and teachers, and showing its importance in real life, outside of the classroom. This week, we're looking at fractions and decimals. Then Bobby, who, as I'm sure you're all aware, loves a good brain teaser, will set a puzzle based on that topic. And while you're working it out, we'll hear from our guest. And this week, Susan's chatting to the brilliant maths writer and broadcaster, Alex Bellos. You might know him from his books like Alex's Adventures in Numberland or from his puzzles in The Guardian. And he'll be telling us about his maths journey and how he likes to combine storytelling with maths. After that, back to Bobby's puzzle. We'll go through the answer and our methods of working it out. And you never know, we might throw in some extra maths trivia right at the end. Before we get stuck into today's topic, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to download this podcast. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> this is our third episode in the series. And we really appreciate you supporting to help spread the word. So if you can subscribe, give us a nice rating, follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where at Maths Appeal, or tell your friends about it, that would be great. Right then, let's get stuck into some fractions and decimals. So, can you define a fraction for me, please, Bobby? Definition of a fraction coming right up for you. <laughs> well, uh, it's a way of expressing a number uh, using whole numbers, but you express it as one component over another. So an example is always easy to illustrate it. Let's say two-fifths. Uh, two is the numerator, the top part of the fraction, and there's like a horizontal line, and then five represents the denominator, so two parts out of five. And so for decimals, it's kind of a continuation of our base 10 system. So like we talked about in our podcast one, place value is our numbers after the decimal point. Um, so for example, one-tenth, one over 10 is the same as 0 0.1, one-hundredth, which is our second number on the, the right of our decimal point, which is 1 over 100, is the same as 0 0.01. And the same for the next, the third one is 1 over 1,000, which is the same as 0 0.001. And um, again, it's kind of looking at the relationship between these two things, which are different, but actually the same. Yes, I know. It's the, the magic of numbers there. Indeed, <laughs> and then the confusion of them. And so at this part of the, um, of the podcast, we generally share our ideas as maths teachers and uh, key things we use to do that are three questions and the first question we think about is when we're sort of teaching this top topic and we think about it for the first time what comes to mind 
Number two, uh, we then think about how we teach this topic to our students or how we introduce the idea. And number three is what are the common issues that arise when teaching this topic? So... Fractions and decimals. How? What comes to mind straight away for you, Bobby? I hope this doesn't make you or our listeners hungry, but I think of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the teacher and me because every time uh, fractions, time for pizzas. Oh yeah. Do, do, do you know what I'm talking? Do you? Yeah, pizza? yeah. Well, I I don't. I know primary schools. I think they're very good at sort of things like cutting up cake and cutting up actual pizza when they do it. But yeah. um, I kind of stay away from pizza. So you talk me through what you do, and then I'll sort of say because I quite like using. A rectangle. Yeah, I think okay. So, sort of my disclaimer is: normally, when I teach fractions, I initially try to just see if they if they sort of have a good grasp from primary school, mm-hmm. and if they already have. I can go straight into using fractions in different ways. You know, um, vulgar fractions, improper <laughs> multiplication, division, all the sort of operations. But if they've one not- minute, just so people understand, vulgar fractions are improper fractions where you've got your numerator, your top number is bigger than your bottom number. Exactly. So when we did two-fifths earlier on, that's mm-hmm. a proper fraction because the numerator is smaller than the denominator. Whereas if it was five over two, which is the same as two and a half, essentially, yeah. that is a vulgar or improper fraction. Yeah. Or top-heavy. Yeah. That's yeah, the way. Lots of synonyms. You know, who'd have thought maths appeal and English at the same time? Well, it's math and English is everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, obviously I think of pizza, but I think it's, it's all about fluency for me. I think ah, mm. I always try and find out again their prior learning. Did they? What did they learn in primary school? And if they've got that fluency, then I can start introducing more operations. But if they've not got that fluency, then it's going back to maybe something that you know maybe you can suggest something. Well, yeah. So like, I think about this topic, fractions and decimals, and for me, it's so massive because it's this whole idea of like an understanding that is kind of an extension of whole numbers really and if they kind of um, can get the connection between that like because you can add and subtract multiply and divide fractions as well as decimals and actually fractions and decimals are just a different way of writing the same thing and understanding that can kind of make this topic that seems really massive actually quite small but the foundations of the understanding in my view need to be really 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 strong and it's a fundamentally a continuation of place value so how I generally go about it is one getting the students to understand the what say two fifths two fifths you said yeah. isn't it what it means and the whole idea that you've got I would always generally start off with a rectangle because it's easier to cut these up nicely. Equally, yeah. e- Equally is the key, That's isn't it, really? Because, like, you know, pizzas, I love pizza and I like to share it, but it's really hard to... Like to share pizza? It depends on <laughs> depends on with who and by okay. how much. But, yeah, but I, I'm, I like to share. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with rectangles, when, when you cut them up, you can cut them up evenly and that's very important because the denominator the bottom number tells you how many parts you're cutting up and each of those parts has to be equal and that's like a massive thing that I think can sometimes kind of get lost in the understanding and the top number is effectively how many of those pieces you actually have or that's been selected and knowing that I think is really kind of important and then I kind of like to build in the connection with the whole idea of division because it's you know, fractions are effectively another way of writing division. So two mm. over five is the same as two divided by five. And actually put two divided by five into your calculator, that's 0. 0.4, which is the same as... Four tenths. Or, yeah. yeah, which is the same, same as four tenths, yeah. but also is the same as two fifths. Yeah. And this is where it can get so confusing that it's different ways of writing the exact same thing. But when you know it, 
suddenly there's a whole world of maths open to you. And I think it's something that takes a lot of time um, and playing, a lot of playing, I think. So that whole looking at decimals and how you can convert from a decimal to a fraction because, you know, 0.35, imagine, is you've got three tenths mm. and you've got five hundredths. Yeah. It's the same as 35 over 100, which you can then kind of cancel down. And so every number can be represented as a fraction quite easily. Yeah. So like the, the, one of the issues, I guess, sort of moving to the next area that I see with my students is that they they can't quite see the equivalency. Like mm. I'll ask them, what is half as a decimal? And some of them are like, oh, but they, they, they sort of resort to the calculator. But they should be able to see half is equivalent to five tenths. 50 hundredths, yeah. which is the same as 0.5 or 50. Like almost like bringing money in. Like when I teach decimal sometimes, I try and bring out money because kids can sort of see our 50p, that's how do you write that in terms of pounds, 0.50. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the, the, the sort of my common grievance with this is that kids can't quite see half is the same as 0.5. Yeah. and But then it's kind of relating that fact that 0.5 actually is 5 over 10 which can be cancelled to a half. And I think it's it's the fluency of these things that can really make a big difference. And again, I think for the more confident students, they're able to notice relationships like times table-wise. So 5 over 10, you can cancel them, cancel it down to a half because 5 and 10 are both in the 5 times table and then you can simplify it to a half. But if you don't know that, oh, yeah. you then you're then you're stuck and you can't see the relationship of that. And so it's it's the playfulness of that that can kind of open the door to much more complex stuff because if you can change 0.5 to 5 over 10, which you can then cancel down to 1 over 1 over 2, you can then take a number as big as or small as 0.345, put that over a thousand oh, and then cancel yeah. that down. And then suddenly you've simplified it into a fraction. And it's the fact that if you can do it with a half, you should be able to kind of do it with anything. Yeah. And I think it also shows the importance of things like times tables and your basic numeracy. If you've got that, then you can access the higher things. If you haven't got that, yeah. you know how bright you are. It's going to be a challenge. It's a much harder job. Right. That seems like that's a very good place for us to go to Bobby's puzzle of the podcast. Yes, so this week it's sort of slightly football themed. So I'm a big fan of uh, Gareth Southgate. If you've seen any of my talks in public, I like to wear waistcoats. So it's a yes. homage to <laughs> Mr. Waistcoat Man. Um, so here's our puzzle. England football manager Gareth Southgate is planning a training session for his England squad. He spends one third of the time practicing penalties. In decimals, he spends 0.5 of the total time on corner kicks. He spends the remaining time of 25 minutes with the team discussing growth mindset strategy. <laughs> How long was the total training session? All right, one more time. I've got half of that information down. One more time for me, Bobby. Yeah, so he's got one third of the time practicing penalty kicks. Mm -hmm. In decimals, 0.5 of the time on corner kicks. Mm -hmm. And the rest, 25 minutes on growth mindset strategy. So what was the length of the total session? Brilliant. Okay, so while you're thinking about that, let's hear from the maths writer and broadcaster Alex Bellos. His books include Alex's Adventures in Numberland and Alex Through the Looking Glass, known in the States as His Looking at Euclid and the Grapes of Math. And he welcomed me and producer Jenny into his home a little while ago to share his math story. Over to you, Alex. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So my name is Alex Bellos. I am, I guess, an author of maths, of popular math books. My first math book was Alex's Adventures in Numberland. I've done some math colouring books. I've done some puzzle books. I also... Um, write a maths puzzle column in The Guardian every two weeks. When and why did you decide to start writing about mathematics? So I came to this game quite late. Math was my favourite subject at school. It was what I was best at. I studied uh, math and philosophy at university. Then I got distracted by journalism, so I became a journalist. And for the best part of 20 years, I was a journalist. I ended up being a foreign correspondent in Brazil, so South America correspondent for The Guardian. When I came back from foreign climes, I didn't really know what to do. I tried lots of things, and then I sort of thought back to what was my first love, maths, and why don't I try and use these new skills, these kind of foreign correspondent skills, to write about maths. (laughs) So I see myself a bit like the foreign correspondent in the world of maths, (laughs) So what was I doing when I was in Brazil? I would go around South America, you know, I spoke the local language, mm. and I would discover what's going on and communicate it to people who knew nothing about it. Mm. And I think I'd try and do the same thing for maths. So my audience, principally, I want to appeal to people who aren't mathsy people. Mm. I want to go into the world of maths, you know, I speak the language in the sense that I'm numerate, I've got a degree in maths... I understand. I'm not afraid or daunted by it. Mm. And then I want to just tell good stories about it. And even though lots of people who do read my books or read my columns are people who love maths anyway, actually what I try and do is not to feel I'm in the maths ghetto. And you know, maths is just interesting for everyone and actually appeal kind of beyond that. So what have been some of your um, your best responses to your book, so from people who maybe aren't into maths? I mean, the Numberland book now has probably sold around the world, 300,000 copies or something. So that is way beyond the hardcore of maths readers. And I get, you know, lots of young people saying, I decided to go and study maths at university because I read your book. I get lots of parents saying... I've now read this book and now I sort of understand I wish I'd paid more attention when I was at school mm-hmm. and I get lots of sort of older people just saying it's so nice to be refreshed and remember why I really love this subject and I think that it's a luxury to be able to go back into maths and not be so concerned about having to pass an exam mm-hmm. just to look 
at the things that are interesting mm. and to tell them as stories. Mm. Do, you, do you think there's something missing within the school environment? You know, I get lots of questions from teachers mm. and I am not a teacher. I've not been to teacher college. Mm. I've very few times have I actually taken a maths lesson in school. I mean, I go into schools quite a lot to give talks and to enthuse, but it's it's very hard for me to say mm. this is how you improve maths because I don't have that experience. But what I think that I can do is that I am in quite a unique position with this experience of you know, storytelling of journalism mm. that I can engage people maybe in a way that they weren't engaged before. I do this through storytelling. I also do it through the picture books, the colouring books. Mm. So the way that happened is that a few years ago, there was a boom in colouring books. And I thought, well, if publishers are falling over themselves to spend money on getting new colouring books. Well, well, I can do a colouring book because maths has so many amazing images. Mm -hmm. And also a way in can be, you you might be scared of maths. No one's scared of an image. So you show someone an image and they can take what they want from it. And actually of all the books that I've done, they're the ones that contain the widest variety of mathematical Mm -hmm. ideas and the deepest ideas. The colouring books have images from a really wide array of mathematical fields from, obviously, Euclidean geometry, but then also, maybe obviously, tessellations, you've Mm. got fractals, you've got statistical physics, imaginary objects, you've got uh, transformations. And these are all things that, but people can, who don't know anything about these things can look at them and appreciate the beauty oh, of yeah. them. Oh, yeah, they're gorgeous images. They're really striking images. Yeah. It's taking the beauty of mathematics sort of literally, yeah. I guess. And that's sort of interesting, because obviously mathematics has a beauty, mm. but it's not a visual, aesthetic beauty always. Mm. But when it is, it's sort of more... It's easier for people to understand maybe what the other beauty is. So do you see yourself as a um, maths cheerleader? or kind of champion or... Yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do. I mean, I don't really see myself in such sort of heroic terms, (laughs) (laughs) particularly. You know, I think that um, as a writer, what you want to do, you you want to write. And I feel, like, lucky that here is a whole area, essentially Mm. maths, that is so full of amazing stuff. Mm. And... Not that many people, I think, are able to communicate that material to a wide variety of people. You know, there are lots of very good math writers. Often, they tend to be, you know, historically, you know, they they, they might be mathematicians or they might be, um, you know, whatever. But there aren't that many people who are sort of journalists who write about it in a sort of journalistic way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm under no illusions that I'm some great mathematician, but I think I'm quite a good storyteller. And so so then tell us then, maybe one of your favourite facts or mysteries with regards to maths? That's such an impossible question to answer because it depends who you are and where I am. You know, when I write my books, I have an imaginary reader Mm -hmm. and... What you do is that you imagine yourself sitting at a bar with your imaginary reader 
and you just like turn to them and you tell them a sentence and you basically got to say a sentence that's going to make them interested. And my imaginary reader is someone who like doesn't really, is not really interested by mathematics. So pretty much every sentence that I write, yeah. or especially the introductions to, to get you into it, has got to be interesting to someone who doesn't, isn't that interested in maths because otherwise you just preaching to the choir. So what's your first sentence of, the, of your book? Oh, is that too much? <laughs> I, I remember. But so my first book, what I wanted to do, my, I can't remember the, the words of the first sentence, but it was all about me meeting this man who had come back from living with a tribe with no numbers. And it's so disorienting living with no numbers that he got the, he thought I was coming on the wrong day. He says he loses track of when he tries to go to work. He just like forgets. And so this is like amazing to think, well, firstly to think that, there are tribes with no numbers. Yeah. Like, how does that work? But also, that when you visit them, when you realise, when you stop using numbers, you kind of forget how to use them when you come back. So to me, that is interesting yeah. to anyone. That's just, like, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So has your view of maths changed? You know, like when you started to do your books, you yeah. know, you kind of came as a sort of for a journalist, and then you thought, oh, you know, I'm going to use my skill for maths. In your time, having done that, has your view of maths changed? I don't think my view of maths has changed because how did I view it? I viewed it as this sort of interesting and kind of fascinating and very creative um, language that we use to understand thinking and the world. And that's what I still think. Maybe the older that I get, the more daunting some of it is because it's harder to think, (laughs) especially (laughs) when you've got young children. Um, So whereas before you know, there might be some new challenge and you kind of think, fantastic, I can't wait to get into this challenge. And now you sort of, <laughs> your heart you know, it drops and you think, oh my God. It's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's too complicated for me. Um, but no, I think that, um, I, think, I think what has happened in the last 30 years, I guess, since when I was like a student and now, is that back then, the geeks and the nerds were, like, really uncool. And now, like, they're kind of cool. They run the world. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they always ran the world, but now there's a kind of... There are enough of them, and it's, 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 it's sort of... They get together, but also, you know, you get a, a movie about Alan Turing or mm. Stephen Hawking or Steve Jobs. Mm. It's kind of exciting and cool. In a way that, you know, one of the reasons why I studied maths and philosophy. So at school I was good at maths. I was best, better at maths than anything else. But I also kind of felt like I needed to do the other things. Because otherwise I would be completely like with the weirdos. Uh, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be like hanging out with girls as well as, you know, just with the nerds. Whereas I think now you can stay within the nerds and meet girls. I think that's changed. Yeah. I think that's changed. Yeah. The kind of cultural around maths. You know, I know a lot of people think, oh my God, it's so bad. You can admit to not being able to count, but you can't admit to not reading. Yes, that is sort of true. Um, so there is a, a bit of a, a kind of cultural problem with maths. But it's not like it once was. And, you know, everyone wants... Every kid wants their phone and wants to get on to Fortnite or whatever. They want to be computer literate. So to yeah. be computer literate, you've got to understand about algorithmic thinking. You've got to understand more or less how computers work. Yeah. 
I, th- I think that's the kind of changed it. It's kind of cool to be the geeky one there because you have like knowledge is power. Oh, so thank you, Alex Bolos, for taking the time to chat to us and for signing my copy of Alex's Adventures in Numberland. He recommended another of his books for you, Bobby, Puzzle Ninja. It's a collection of Japanese logic puzzles and sounds right up your street. I've seen it, like these brilliantly blue-coloured books. I, I, I think I tried some of these puzzles for my students in school, ah. actually, yeah. Firstly, honestly, I'm very jealous that you got to interview Alex Bolos. It was Great. He's a very funny man, actually. Very, very funny man. And even in the interview, I could sense his power of storytelling because, mm. well, you were discussing things, talking about the appeal of maths. He would bring a narrative. He would have clever metaphors and ways of bringing the subject to life. You know, this concept of, you imagine you've got an imaginary reader or an imaginary listener for us. Yeah. And you're trying to make maths engaging because maths is a subject we know that it's got there's so many amazing figures and so many amazing facts and mm. methods and techniques that have changed the way people live. But it's just making sure that we engage people in it so that they think, oh, actually, I'll, I'll listen to your conversation you know, at that bar, that imaginary bar, the Alex yeah. Bellos bar. <laughs> <laughs> so just, I, yeah, I guess that's a challenge of us because so many yarns and tales, but can we make sure that we hook in the listener or for us, our students very yeah. quickly? I mean, was that what you sort of felt from? Very, very much. You know, it's kind of, I think a lot of the time as a math teacher, you can get bogged down with the next step and like making sure you cover a certain amount of stuff content wise. But actually that whole idea of telling the story and then maybe going to the content, if you can engage the kids, you know, they're motivated and then they're up for learning a bit more about the wonder of it. But also it was interesting his talk about the fact that uh, geeks are now cool. The geek shall inherit the earth, as it said in the, <laughs> as it said in the Bible. <laughs> Indeed, you know, but that's all that, which for me it's really was really great to hear. It was very like positive. It was a really positive outlook on the future. So I think one of the reasons we're doing this is it feels like actually the majority of people we speak to, we talk about math and it's a real like negative attitude towards it. But it's great that somebody like Alex is putting cool things out there, interesting things out there to get people who would normally say they're not into it, into it, you know, and engaged. And I think... As he says, it's, you know, there are now, you, you can be a geek and, you know, meet boys and girls that you fancy. Amazing. Exactly. <laughs> Math is the best way to meet love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, but that's the thing. I think it's that thing of, it's hopeful. I think it's great. And if we can, maybe, it's a bit like what Johnny Ball said in the earlier podcast, you know, podcast one and two, mm. where he talked about the idea of making math accessible and making it engaging to people. And, you know, this whole idea of, of, of stories and starting from there as opposed to just like the the number element of it so let's go back to the puzzle bobby can you remind us of the question and then let's go through the answers so we had england football manager gareth southgate he's planning a training session for the squad and he spends one third of the time practicing penalties and then in decimal 0.5 of the time on corner kicks and the remaining time 25 minutes discussing growth mindset um so what was the total length of the training session so, the way I went about this, do you know much about bar models? I've seen some watching primary school teachers, actually. Okay, well, so I that's a, I love them. But I'm also learning how to use them myself because, again, I've learned them from uh, primary school teachers. Again, I'll share my, my methods uh, on Instagram at Matt Appeal. But the way I kind of did it was I drew a bar, split it into a half and into a third, and then split those into sixths because those come multiple of th- three and two is six. So I can fit into a half, three sixths, because a half is the same as three sixths. Mm-hmm. And then a third is the same as two sixths. Put them all together. 
total of five sixths. That means the section on the end that we we didn't know, the 25 minutes, that actually equated to a sixth. So 25 minutes is a sixth of the total time, which tells us then that two sixths, which is our corner kicks, is 50 minutes. And then a half or three sixths of our penalties is 75 minutes or one hour and 15. And then our total is two hours and 30 minutes. Perfect, full marks. And, I, and, I, and again, I love the bar... The bar method, bar modelling. Bar modelling, yeah. yeah. How did you do it? So I just went straight for the fractions. Okay. Um, so again, I just put half plus a third. Common denominator of the two numbers, two and three, is six. So the top became three six plus two sixths equals five sixths. Uh, then I said one sixth is remaining over, which is 25 minutes, and just straight up multiply that by six to give us 150 so you did the whole, like, effectively the algorithm of convert, adding fractions where you make the denominators the same yeah. and then from there, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing, but I suppose uh, the visual part, the I visual think, is really bit. kind of helpful for people who are not quite sure of what's kind of going exactly. on. Exactly, especially if you're fluency, if you feel as if you want to explain it really clearly, the visual just makes it 100% clear that you're on the mm-hmm. right track. I've even seen someone attempt this with a pie chart. Oh, like then like splitting up a pie chart into one third and then half of the pie chart and then seeing that's twenty five. You've got to be very careful with your angles, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, you got to be careful. Um, I would say that the bar is probably better than the pie chart. So that's it from us. If you fancy subscribing, telling your mates to subscribe, or giving us a five star rating, that would be amazing. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Maths Appeal. Come and say hi and tell us what you thought of my puzzle. In next week's podcast, our guest is Danielle Newnham, the co-founder of F Equals, an organisation designed to inspire, motivate and empower women. Danielle's written books include Female Innovators at Work, Women on Top of Tech. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about that, as hopefully we can help promote women and girls studying STEM subjects, that's science, technology, engineering and maths, which is very close to the heart of maths appeal. Very much, very much. This is so important to get more girls involved in STEM. It's something that's a real issue, I think, actually, in our country. So it'd be great to hear what Daniel has to say about that. And to end, Bobby, do you have a maths fact for us? Yes. Um, fractions and decimals. So again, this is something that didn't make the cut for my book. So we're getting all the sort of hot releases. The, the B-sides. The, the B-sides, yeah. <laughs> the C-sides. Well, you know in fractions, we've got that line, that horizontal line that separates the numerator, the top part, and the denominator. Yes, I do. There's a word for that line. Are you serious? Yeah. It's called a vinculum. V-I-N-C-U-L-U-M. That's, it's from the Latin word meaning bond or chain or to tie. So that horizontal wow. line or bar in maths that we see in fractions uh, is called a vinculum. Sounds like a part of the body. It does. That's wonderful <laughs> information. And that on that, we're going to have to say goodbye. We've been uh, Susan Okereke and Bobby Seagull on the Matter Appeal podcast. The music was composed by Kelly Okereke. The image design is by Calix Davis. And our producer is the wonderful Jenny Nelson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.